Let's discuss the pros and cons of the convention with your lab boys, Garen and Dan, and a roach named John. And welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around the one thing we as players cannot resist. Conventions? That's right. We all like attending conventions, and Garen and I attended our first convention ever on June 13th through the 16th at Origins Convention in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, Dan and I are all about game immersion when we play D&D, and you can never get more immersed in your games than when you're at a convention, because that's basically all that's happening for the whole weekend. Well, yeah, so we're going to be talking a little bit about what our impressions were, what our lessons learned were, but for those of you not familiar with Origins, it is not a D&D convention, it is a gaming convention at large, it's focused around tabletop games and board games from a bunch of different developers, and... Garen, what were your first impressions just walking in? Okay, so I knew that this was going to be about a 20,000-person convention. So it had to be a pretty big venue where we see the convention center, we get there. But I was still taken aback as to just how large the exhibit hall was, how many side rooms. There were several side rooms that you and I never even looked in. By yesterday, we were just wandering around going, let's just look in that room for a second. We see a bunch of people sitting around playing a game. We're like, okay, we're satisfied. But it's just so much. Yeah, it's, it's extremely immense. Uh, pretty much every game that you want to play either has its own designated area within the exhibit hall or it has designated room where you can go and play, learn how to play it, get your hands dirty, and actually uh, play with other players that might be new to the game, which I was actually surprised about. Not every game, even something like Catan, did not have nothing but experienced players. You could be a new player and play with another new player. Uh, so I thought that was pretty nice. Yeah, and a lot of it was really welcoming to new players. There were plenty of opportunities to play test games, and there were also lots of opportunities to pay to play. And sliding right into that is Dan and I actually paid to play some D&D this weekend. It was only 6 bucks for a four-hour session, but on Friday we sat down and we played a one-shot with four strangers and a DM who is part of a team that produces a campaign setting called Arcanus been around for 18 years and just in the last few years especially they've been really cranking out a lot of material including new races classes and twists on the classic 5e uh, content now for those of you familiar with arcanist you may know that it is not strictly a DD game they do have their own system but they also release material that is compatible in the 5e system so we'll be featuring this stuff uh, on an episode of our show and plugging it into D&D and showing you all of the cool stuff. But for instance, uh, we got some pre-gen characters for this, and I, for example, got a psionic, which was really, really neat, uh, a mind-control magic uh, user that kind of used cantrips uh, that were psychic-focused and manipulating the, uh, able to manipulate uh, the environment around him. Yes, uh, Dan's character was really cool. He called that right off the bat, and it's actually something that I wanted to read a little bit afterwards because we, since we only had about one and a half combats in the one shot, uh, Dan didn't really get to flex his psionic muscles too much, but it, it was a totally original class, so they added a lot of brand new ideas to it. And I think in a long campaign setting, there would be so much opportunity to play with that. Yeah, and let's talk about your ranger that you got. You got a lizard person ranger, but a few interesting little twists uh, from what we're familiar with in the Forgotten Realms. Yeah, Arcanists removed the spellcasting from their rangers. So I was given some 
herbs that I can forage for every day. I can have a number equal to my level plus wisdom modifier. We were level four, so I had six of those. And one application of the herbs as an ointment could heal 1d4 plus wisdom as an action. And I could also brew it into a refreshing tea, which functions exactly the same as long rest. They recover an extra 1d6 following, excuse me, following a short rest. Yeah, and guys, there was a ton of really cool world building for this specific campaign setting. And if you guys want to check this out, if we've intrigued you and piqued your interest, if you guys want to check this out prior to our features of this content, you can head on over to Amazon. They have their campaign setting book for 5th edition available for $49.99. And honestly, it's well worth $50 because that book had to be, what, 400 pages? It was thick. It was thick. It had a really nice glossy cover. Art was beautiful. And he kept having to do sidebars during the one shot to explain portions of their world so we could fully understand, you know, all the history behind what we were doing. Uh, basically, he ran us through a murder mystery one shot. We were in this town that's kind of fractured between two primary cultures and people have been dying every two days. We had to bounce around a lot. We had to talk to some merchants that kind of functioned like crime lords. We had to talk to priestesses of different churches. We got a little bit of a feel for the pantheon of the world. So honestly, very, very cool setting. And we are very excited to feature that um, on the show. Yeah, the content was great. And actually, since Dan and I tend to play with each other and with people that we know, sitting down with four other strangers and a DM that we've never met was a really original experience. Uh, we had a father-son across the table. The son was probably around 12 years old, I think. And we had two guys who were probably in their 20s. They were friends with the DM. They had been playing in his campaigns on and off for a while. And so they were the most experienced players at the table. One of them played a one of them played a very cavalier rogue who seemed to have a little bit of a glint in his eye that maybe he'd done more murder than he explained. And the other one was actually the magistrate of the city so he kind of functioned as our liaison as we made our way around town which was a nice anchor for those of us being new players that we had this one player who already knew the game to an extent and he was able to help us drive the, the game forward also because we were using pre-gen characters this was also a pretty unique experience for garen and i because we really like to flesh out our characters we really like to have a backstory going into a game we don't really like to go in blind because the whole message that we try to preach on this show is the backstory should guide what you do as a character now we didn't have that luxury so being able to kind of lean on the magistrate and kind of gain little clues about the environment here and there helped us uh, kind of flesh out the characters in the short in the short four hours or so that we were playing the game. How did you feel about playing a pre-gen? Short answer is it was fun because I did like the idea that they built around the ranger. Obviously, I was not in my element, so I couldn't use all of my features. I'm a favorite. Uh, my terrain was swamp. As I said before, there wasn't enough combat, especially because I was a very combat-oriented class. I don't feel like I really got to settle into what my features were. What about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really would have liked to gotten a little bit more combat experience, but then also um, maybe a little bit of more diverse role play where uh, we got to speak to more um, prominent characters in the in the region and really explore uh, more holistically about their stories because I have a lot of mind exploration cantrips that I could have used to get a little bit deeper into the story. But again, because we were playing for only four hours, it wasn't a luxury that we had. So overall, that experience was pretty cool. I'm glad that we got to do it. I'm glad we got some 5e in on this on this trip. Um, but we also got our hands dirty in other games 
which I personally didn't think we were going to do. I thought that we were going to be D&D till the day we die, but there we were surrounded by so many other games at this convention, it was almost impossible not to play something else. Absolutely. Now, my caveat to that is that when Keyforge came out, if you guys haven't heard of this, this is a card game, but it is not a collectible card game in the normal sense because you buy a $10 deck of 36 cards, and that deck is 100% unique. It comes with a name for the deck that's randomly computer generated, so some of the names can be quite hilarious. Uh, I have Maestro McCormick as one of my favorite decks right now. And that deck is self-contained. There is no deck building. You can't take those cards apart because they all have those unique backs on them. But to uh, bring this long story short, I had bought a bunch of those decks when the game first came out because there was a lot of buzz about it and I hadn't had a chance to play it. So I brought them with this weekend, hoping Dan and I would find time to sit down and we could kind of work our way through it. I brought Dan over to the Keyforge table on our first day and the girl behind the table gave him a very nice tight sell that this game rocks. He opted for the starter pack. He grabbed an extra pack. And we started playing it that afternoon, and I think Dan's into it now. Yeah, totally. So while it doesn't have rich roleplay, it, it, it did scratch the itch that maybe we didn't get as far as combat goes for the 5e session that we played. Lots of combat, lots of back and forth, and uh, basically the point of the game is you collect as much amber as possible to forge keys, but um, in the in the interim, you're getting experience with a lot of different houses and uh kind of spells and actions, so really cool little uh, experience. I'm happy that we got into it, especially when uh, it's especially helpful for those nights that we can't get the party together to play a D&D game. Maybe Garen and I can just have a couple beers and, and play some Keyforge. Yeah, really fun game. They can range between 30 minutes and 60 minutes for a round. And Dan, I said you kind of got into it, but how many decks have you bought this weekend? I think I have nine now. <laughs> I have nine decks. It's, it is very tempting. While you don't need to collect and buy packs, you can always go, I'll just get one more pack, or I'll get one more deck. It's only 10 bucks. Who knows what's going to be in there? Well, and because all of the vendors in the exhibit hall were basically selling them, it was easy to just go buy a booth and be like, oh, uh, yeah, and I'll just take a deck. Yeah. It, it's from Fantasy Flight Games. They're a pretty big publisher, and so they were <laughs> all over the place. And one other game that we got to experience and purchase was a game from White Wizard Games called Sorcerer. Sorcerer is another head-to-head -head card combat game, but it does have a few other elements to it. It's set in Victorian London, and again, even less so than Keyforge, it's not a collectible game because this all is self-contained. They have established three different categories that you have to choose from. Uh, basically, your person, your person's origin of their magic, and their lineage like where it comes from, kind of like building a sorcerer in 5e. What's a sorcerer's origin? Where's their home? And each one of those adds cards. So you take these three smaller decks of cards, you shuffle them into one bigger deck of cards, and that is your unique deck for the game. And all of these are within the box, so you don't need to buy anything else. That's right. And, and then within each of those three different categories that you need to pick for your individual character build, this is what really got me excited about this game was the character building and the uniqueness of it is... There were four different decks of those three categories, so you had an opportunity to build 32 different, uh, 32 different characters right out of the box, and the combinations of the games then would be 64 uh, different combinations right out of the box for p player versus player. Now, meaning that because there are two players, you'd have 128 different combinations of the game right out of the box. So the replay factor, super high. But then we also got a deal while attending the con to get expansion packs, which I think Garen and I are pretty pleased with, which included a Pyromancer, 
and a druid and uh, some troll lineage, which really adds some cool flavor. But um, all in all, we're looking at about 250 different combinations of game that we can play with 125 different characters right out of the box. Yeah, and we're not going to get down to the nitty-gritty of the game. We recommend you check out Sorcerer by White Wizards Games, but what I think really sold us on it was that unique mechanic of building your deck and the fact that the art is very dark, the whole tone is very um, brooding, and it's kind of just a knockdown brawl. Yeah, not really my thing. You know, dark magic is not really my thing usually, but, um, you know. At all. You had to do a bit of a stretch on this I, I one. I did. I did. I saw his eyes light up as soon as we're kind of looking at the box art and the cards. And then we sat down and we tested a little bit. And then we're like 10 minutes into the game and Dan goes, I think I'm sold. Let's just buy this and go. <laughs> so uh, those were the two games that we did opt into. But there were a couple others that really hung out there. And we almost purchased like one called Too Many Bones, which was a really unique self-contained role-playing game that actually uses dice on these beautiful mats to kind of build and customize your character as you go. There was a finite number of characters, actually four in the main box, and you could go on these different adventures that were a series of cards that you would shuffle up. So every adventure could be uniquely different as you face the final boss. Um, I think the problem with this game is the main box with four characters and a series of adventures was $125, which is a huge jump. And we talked to some other players, and they did say that right out of the box, um, you get seven days per adventure. And so, you know, you've got this seven-day campaign adventure with four different characters. And depending on how many different players you have at the, the table, you've got a number of different com you've got a number of different combinations and a fairly high replay value out of the box. But they did have two expansion packs for $25 a piece, as well as their standalone expansion game called Undertow for $85, and then sold four individual add-on characters, which were all pretty cool. They had a Tinkerer, a Rogue, uh, they had a, a Ranger that could add little beasts to the uh, battlefield. Um, but all of those, and they did have a Hydro Mech as well, I believe. Yeah, he kind of looked like Big Daddy from the Bioshock series. He did. And so all of those beautiful, beautiful art, beautiful dice, beautiful coins that came with them, but or beautiful chips that came with them, but all of that considered, you're looking at, you know, 125 250 uh, so uh, $335 right out, right out the go. Just to get into it. Um, just to get into it, and that's without the two expansion packs. So that'd be $385, all said and done, to get the most replay value out of that game. Really high barrier event, uh, really high cost to entry there. Yeah, but we did see some guys playing it. They were very enthusiastic about the game. They let us watch a combat, and it does look like a lot of fun. I think if we had a chance to sit down and play it a couple of times, we might have been more prone to maybe being sold on it. Uh, guys, if you're interested in that, just Google Too Many Bones by Chip Theory Games. They, uh, they have a lot of stuff going on, and people are paying $350 for that core game off eBay at the moment. So Yeah. There was, actually, there was also a lot of Pathfinder out there. We were a little intrigued, but we knew we'd have to sit down and really kind of go through all of it to, to get into any Pathfinder. And honestly, we weren't exactly sure as to how much learn-by-play there was going to be available. It seemed like a bit of a tighter community over there. <laughs> you mean a little bit get more gatekeeper-y in the, in the Pathfinder community, huh? And I don't think those people are listening, so we can be honest about that. <laughs> but they did have a lot of advertisements for Pathfinder 2nd Edition, which after talking to a few people around the convention, we're going to be keeping our eyes open for this because I guess they're going to be emulating 5th Edition D&D quite a bit because, as we know, Wizards of the Coast is made a smash success with 5th Edition because it's easy to pick up and play. 
to have something like that for Pathfinder could also be a great way to get new players into second edition. Then they want to explore first edition, which has so many books, Dan. You know, we love books, and we've got a lot of third-party books, but you wouldn't even have to dip into third-party books because of the amount that Pathfinder has. I go to Barnes & Noble, and it's just like a whole rack. Books on books, baby. Yeah. Uh, we also There was also plenty of LARPing this weekend, and Dan was not having it. I was very intrigued. I really want to have a LARP sword fight one day, guys. Uh, the LARP foam swords, they were like 60 bucks a piece. I'm not going to buy that because I got no one to sword fight with. My kids aren't tall enough yet. One day... Guys, if you just want to take a plane to Orlando, Florida and meet Garen at his house and just hit him with a foam sword, this is an open invitation. Yeah, if you don't even want to Uber, I'll go to the airport and we could fight in the terminal real quick. Just get arrested, fight with some swords. It's going to be a good time. So, uh, a big part of... Any con, I'm sure, is the exhibit hall. The exhibit hall is huge. It's full of vendors. All sorts of great, I mean, well, dice everywhere. Dice and dice and dice. Lots of stuff for D&D. However, one thing that I want to touch on is D&D did not have a terribly large presence at this convention. For being the largest role-playing game out there, boy, you sure wouldn't have known it going to this convention. Yeah, you had to get your D&D fix mostly through smaller vendors that were publishing their own material. Uh, there was a stand that had all the books and the spell cards and lots of minis, but that was all being sold through a third-party vendor, too. Yeah, Gale Force 9 was there in full force, but also we did get to meet a number of publishers that we've worked with on the show, like Nord Games, uh, Cubicle 7. Uh, so we got some FaceTime in there, introduced ourselves, and um, they were selling all of their work. Yeah, it was, really, it was really nice to get to meet those people, some of them that we had exchanged emails with over the years, and they are all super pleasant. Nord Games was the Revenge of the Horde bestiary, which included some original races that we have used on the show. There was a bugbear race, there was oh, a... Oh, they got, they got a whole bunch of bugbear races. They went into total variant bugbear races in that supplement, so it was really neat. You could get granular with your bugbear build. They had tribes and everything. Yeah, so go back and check out our Revenge of the Horde episode for that. Cubicle 7 are the ones that produce the Middle Earth 5e content, and we've done three episodes on that. We did two last year in 2018 and one this year where we talked about their new Breedland region guide as a part of one of our other episodes where I featured their new Blue Mountains Dwarf. So getting to talk to one of the head creators over at Cubicle 7 was great. They're gearing themselves more towards Warhammer these days because they got the special license and so they're just cranking out that great content so good for them uh, but they are also talking about possibly doing a lone wolf 5e which would be very exciting i'd love to check out that yeah so if you guys want to check out either one of those publishers go back in our catalog check out our middle earth features as well as the ultimate bestiary revenge of the horde and Honestly, that's another hardcover book that's totally worth it at $45. Some really great art in there, a good bestiary, and some great race options. We did meet a new team of publishers that I have seen around on Twitter, Creature Curation. If you look that up on Twitter, this is, I believe it started with this guy who is creating these monstrous heads, all unique. He posts them on a plaque like you, like you killed it in the forest and mounted it up. And he makes them out of foam, but they're beautifully painted. You'd never know it would just start it as a big white block of foam. Uh, but they are actually producing their own player content and adventures, and those are coming out really soon. So we got in touch with them. We got to meet them. And so look for that. Look for more information on that on the show in the future. Yeah, for sure. Some really exciting stuff coming up here just based off of our experience here at the con. And Garen, 
I don't know about you, but I had a really fun time. I'm happy that our patrons uh, funded our trip to go to this con for the first time. And I really enjoyed it. But what were some lessons learned here? Okay, so when we were about to go, I posted on Facebook and Twitter asking for advice, asking for things we need to know. And plenty of people mentioned a concern about body odor at a con. Now, 100% honest, Dan and I... I, don't, I think maybe once I thought somebody was a little bit funky, but I was not impacted by an extreme amount of body odor. However, however, I have munched several farts this convention. We got farted on all the time. It's, like, do we have a target on our back? I would go up to a booth, like, to check something out and immediately turn around because I opened my mouth to talk to somebody and ate a fart. Yeah, and Dan kept looking at me like, did you just fart? I'm like, no, I didn't fart. The kid's lactose intolerant, guys. He, he farts a lot. I am not farting. At this con, but there are folks who are just crop dusting up and down those aisles. That's not the place for that. You are in a crowded space. We were sitting down playing some Keyforge at a table. Somebody came by, said something to us, crap dusted us. That is absolutely true. Can you imagine being one of these booths? These people had to eat farts all day because yeah. you can't even escape. You have to sit there and sell your wares. That is doesn't help that most of these people are eating like chili dogs on the regular this whole time, like they're, as their diet. The convention hall had a taco stand built into one wall. Now that I think of it, it was called Farts Tacos, so we should have totally put two and two together. It's making a lot of sense now. Swamp-ass salsa. <laughs> so a couple other things we learned about going to a convention. We were here for four days. This is day four right now. Four days is a little long for Dan and I. Yeah. Uh, We've had a great time, but I think I'm like two, two and a half max. Yeah, definitely. So lessons learned moving forward, maybe go a little bit shorter. You don't need to be there the whole time. You've basically seen and done most things that you want to do uh, by the end of the second day. We are also not going to be pursuing a sponsorship with Airbnb. No, because we have, uh, as we mentioned in the little theme song for this episode, we do have a roach friend named John that has joined us here in the Airbnb. Um, also some really, really enthusiastic neighbors upstairs. I think they know that they're next to some celebrities, so they are maybe trying to uh, you know, get a party going for us. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, we did not receive the invitation, but we did hear most of it. Uh, John the Roach, let me, let me touch on him for a second. He's about as long as my index finger, and when I went to grab a paper towel, he disappeared. So he is somewhere in the area. We've seen him a couple times. Uh, I think I, he gave Garen a little kiss on his neck. I do have a bug bite on my neck, which has only come from being at this Airbnb because I wasn't stationary enough at the con to get it. So that... Um, the fact that our shower floor kind of moves when you stand in it. Baby, I think you got a kiss from a roach and it stings. That was solid, Dan. Thanks. That was solid. <laughs> all in all, the Airbnb was not an awful experience, but I think we'll definitely stay at a hotel next time. Yeah, so Airbnb, use uh, go to airbnb.com forward slash D&D character lab to get plus 20% on your next booking. My actually, I think my biggest gripe, and this is not like kept me up at night, kept me up at night, but uh, I found that this convention and the way it was established, it was kind of difficult unless you are participating in the structured events like paying for a game or being in a tournament to find people that like the games you like and to find places to play. Yeah, so we got kicked off of several tables. So for instance, Keyforge had an area where you could just play their game but they also had a tournament going on all weekend. And so if you were playing at their table during a tournament time, you were immediately booted off. You had nowhere else to play except in maybe like the hotel lobby or some common area because even the open gaming tables were packed. 
Yeah, and so we even tried to go to another section for a different developer where they had plenty of open tables and we were about halfway through the game and the guy came and kicked us off because he said he didn't want to be advertising somebody else's game, which made sense, but let us finish our game first. Like we would have packed up if you just let us complete it. I think it, that's what irked me. So, but we wanted to be playing in the exhibit hall if we could, because that was the best place to meet people. You know, they see you playing Keyforge or whatever. They like it too. You get to talk and maybe you're talking about D&D next. Now, but the only saving grace we had here in that regard was our overwhelming celebrity presence. So people were approaching us and recognizing us because we are such recognizable people out in the community. The sarcasm is palpable if you haven't figured it out. We had D&D Character Lab on our placards, but we did not... We were not approached by any fans. No. Except no John the Roach. John the Roach was a huge fan. Gave you a little kiss on the neck for, for your celebrity. But we no one even asked us what it was. No, I don't think anyone read our placards. I don't think anyone got close enough. Because I think they were afraid that we were going to fart on them. Because That's they've been true. Burned, <laughs> been burned too many times by other folks at this con. For the record, if you ever meet us in person, we will not fart on you. Yeah. But Dan, got to see, Dan saw one of his favorite 3D printing YouTubers... That's right. And Dan thinks he saw Marshawn Lynch on the sidewalk. Guys, I I saw him. He was wearing Raiders gear. He was wearing Raiders gear, but I'm telling you it was Marshawn. And he knew that I recognized him too. And he just kept walking. He had his music on. He did not want to talk. So Marshawn, I know you're a big fan of our show. Now that you're retired from professional football, you're getting into that D&D world. You need character ideas. Holler at your boy. I know Beast Mode's listening. Uh, I'd love to sit down and play a game with you or maybe have you on the show. What would Marshawn Lynch be doing at 11 a.m. on a Saturday walking around downtown Columbus? We don't know. But he was there. But I don't know football enough to confirm whether or not it was him. (laughs) So, guys, uh, we really wanted to throw this little episode in there to give you guys, those of you that may be thinking about going to a con or have never been to a con before, uh, just throw this in, have a lessons learned sort of approach here. But also... For those of you that attend many cons, we probably sound like total noobs, and you guys can just tweet at us and make fun of us. Yeah, please give us your feedback as well. We'd love to share some of your stories on social media. If you tweet at us or post on Facebook, we could put together some other convention stories, which I think would be a fun exercise, interacting with our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I know this was a departure from our normal show. We will be back next week with Twisted Mithril by ERF Jordan. We were going to publish it this week, but we wanted to do this special episode. And then the week after that, we will be putting up our competitive episode, which will be the first week of July, and that is with Alex Clippinger's new book, All About Barbarians. It's been a pleasure, and thank again to our patrons for their contributions. They, in large part, paid for our trip here to Columbus. And until next week, Lab Rats, just remember... When it comes to character creation, it doesn't have to be pre-generated. It just has to not freaking fart on you. Now we've discussed the pros and cons of the convention. We got farted on quite a bit, and they smelled like...